Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. When I was a kid, it was always hard to figure out what to get a dad on Father's Day. It was always hard to figure out what to get my dad on Christmas or his birthday. I mean, he was this big, powerful individual with all this money. What could I give him? Never did solve the riddle. My dad wasn't a real good one at hiding his feelings, and when you'd make something for him, you know, maybe at three or four he could fool you, but by the time you were five or six... You knew the only time you would ever touch that thing is right now. <laughs> never wore the ties and never hung up the cards on the refrigerator. And then as I've become a father of my own, I, I understand the frustrations of my wife and our, our, our sons. Because what do, you, what do you get, Dad? I'm not a, I'm not a things guy, okay? Uh, there's, there's nothing in my heart that I'm yearning for that I, I, I don't have. I I'm just not really caught up in things. And so there's not a gadget they can go out and buy that will, will necessarily light up my face. And, you know, the truth, truth be told, I, I was thinking about this earlier this morning. If I had $10 million, I'm not sure that anything would change in my life except I'd buy my wife and our, our, our children a better home to live in. That's the only thing that would change it. Like it or not, I'd still show up in my 1995 Dodge Grand Caravan. Okay? The man van, okay? And the fenders would still flop, and the back windshield wiper still won't work, and, and the ceiling cover thing is being held up by snow removal brushes, and the air conditioning doesn't work and hasn't worked forever, okay? It, it, it's now loud driving down the road, and I have a lot of fun with it because people look at me funny when I'm driving it. They treat me differently, okay? I actually saw somebody. We were parked in Walmart, and I was uh, gone into the store, and I was walking out, and I saw somebody start to pull in to park next to me and then backed out. And it, no, no, we're not going to park next to that guy. And uh, what, do you get, what do you get with a dad? What do you get for a dad who's got everything? It's tough, isn't it? Where, where do you go shop? They're, they're, like I said, uh, this, this afternoon, if somebody gave me $10 million, I, I'd be happy. I'd buy two things today. I'd buy a nicer house for my wife and our kid. I'd probably go buy a steak dinner somewhere, but I can buy that anytime I want anyhow. So where do you get a dad who's got everything? And then we're, we're faced with a seemingly a, a greater and more daunting challenge. We, we need to remember on this Father's Day our ultimate Father, our Heavenly Father. I don't think he wears ties. I don't even know if he'd use my iPhone if I bought him one, you know. Well, do you, what do you get him for Father's Day? How, how do we express to him our appreciation? 
for the good dad that he is to us. This week, as I, I contemplated that, that thought, and I, I, I'm silly, but I, I, I was slightly pained over the frustrations my wife and our son must have. Father's Day come, what, what can they, there's nothing they could buy. And I, you know, I said to God, you know what, if you were down here on earth, what would I get you? What would I? And it just seemed like this scripture came to my, my heart. And so I, I looked it up and, and I just wanted to take a few minutes and share that with you. It's found in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 22, and throughout this, it's Jesus speaking to his disciples. In fact, it says that. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least... Why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toll nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you, shall be added to you. Here's a verse that went through my mind this week. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What could we give God for Father's Day? We could give Him an opportunity to really be our Heavenly Father. We... We get so worried about stuff, don't we? Worried about this or worried about that or what if this and what if that. And, and, and Jesus is trying to communicate the heart of the Father and he says this. Don't you think your dad loves you? Don't you think he can take care of this? I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that our children have ever known a moment of where we're going to live. What are we going to eat? 
Because their mother and I, have, that's part of our role as parents, to provide for, to protect. I would hate if our children woke up every morning and came running into the bedroom, am I going to have something to eat today? We were, for a while in our life, we were an emergency placement home for foster kids. We got them when they, sometimes in the middle of the night. Our first two were little Sammy and Dorothy. Mother had tried to drown them in the bathtub. They were brought to our home. My wife did an incredible job loving those kids. But they came to us with needs. Little Dorothy was so traumatized. I think she was about four years old at the time. She was so traumatized by the water and that you, you could literally be in the kitchen and you'd turn on the faucet to get a drink of water and she'd put her finger in her hair and start twirling it and she'd say, what are you doing? What's going to happen? Her second day there or so, it was time for her to take a bath, but she, she was afraid to take a bath by herself, but she really didn't want Gail Beth to give her a bath. And nothing to do with Gail Beth, but you can understand the connection there. I can't give her a bath. But she wanted me in the room, and so I went into the room and turned my back while Gail Beth gave her a bath. That the children are traumatized, and we had one little boy who, who kept in the, it would get sneak food out of the kitchen and hide it under his bed, and he was simply operating under the fear that maybe tomorrow there wouldn't be food. Because in his home, there often wasn't food. And yet you, you and I as Christians, we, we sometimes act the same way. We sometimes act like he really doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I mean, we verbalize. We would say, of course he knows what he's doing. Of course he's in control. Of course he loves me. Of course it's going to be okay. But... And then we invent scriptures. God helps them who help themselves. That's one of your favorite scriptures. I got bad news for you. It's not a scripture. It's, it's a creation of the heart of a fearful human being. God helps them who helps themselves. No, no, no. He helps them whom he loves. And he loves you. You know, couched in this, I know people. some people don't think he, God doesn't have a sense of humor. He has a great sense of humor. I, I'm, I'm counting on that. I'm counting on that, but, but couched in this, Jesus gets really dramatic at one point. It's, you know, in the King James English, we kind of lose what he's saying there, but he said, he said, listen, your father clothes the grass of the field, which today is in the field, but tomorrow it's thrown into the oven. How much more will he take care of you? What we forget is, or don't think about, is the process by which the grass has gone from being in the field to in the oven. You see, it, in those days, they used cow pies as fuel in their oven. And so Jesus is saying, look at all the care that your heavenly Father has put into grass. That a cow's going to eat and turn into poop. And then you're going to take the poop and put it in your oven. And if God, I know, that's a horrible thought too. I didn't. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't like the thought. Don't grill my burgers over cow poop, okay? I just, I don't want that. I think I'll eat it raw. But Jesus is being making a dramatic point. Think about this. Think about all the care that your father has put into taking care of that grass and look where it's going to be tomorrow. If he does that for grass, what's he going to do for you? I had this thought thought hit me several weeks ago. I shared it with one or two people. I'm not even sure what to do with it, but here's the thought that hit me. We humans are the only creatures that have to pay to live on planet Earth. Every other creature lives free. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. The birds? You know what's amazing? I, I, I love birds singing in the morning. One of the good things about camping was you're out there, you know, and, and you hear the birds, and they start singing long before it ever gets light. They're singing, and you can call it what they want. They're praising God to me. They're just singing. While it's still dark and they still haven't gotten anything to eat, they're still singing. I think somehow, some way, they, they know that, that the light's going to come and there's going to be food, and so I'm going to sing now. We sing after the meal. They sing while it's still dark and they're still hungry because they know their provider is going to provide. God, one time in a moment of, of stark honesty, he said this. He said, the ox and the donkey knows who's going to take care of them. They know their master's crib. What don't my people know? I can't imagine the heartache of every morning of a child of mine show up in our bedroom. Come on, you guys, today, am I going to eat? Will there be food for me today? Will you take care of me today, or do I need to fend for myself? Any good mom or dad would want to say, haven't we always taken care of you? Why wouldn't we do that today? What's any different? Your father, your heavenly father, wants this from you for, for Father's Day. He wants the opportunity to take care of you in phenomenal ways. But there's something in his way, and that is your anxiousness. So Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give. I think if Jesus or the Father could be here this morning in, in tangible physical form, he, he wouldn't let us bring him gifts. He'd be too busy passing them out himself. You see, we forget that the greatest thing that God could, could ever receive was the return of his love. It's the only thing he can't give himself. And, 
I, I regret that my dad didn't see that as a as a dad. It wasn't the, the, the stupid tie, and it wasn't the, 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 the creature that I drew that you can't tell really what it was. I learned as a dad early on, you don't say. That's a nice cow. It wasn't a cow. You, you take it and you say, whoa, tell me about this picture. <laughs> because that it isn't about the picture that they drew, and it's not about the card they wrote, and it's their conveying love to you. I'm going to get what I'm saying. And your heavenly father wants to know. He wants to be your heavenly father, not only in the, in the, in the little things in life, but in the big things in life. Kids today don't often understand the privilege that, you know, we had as a kid, uh, you something go wrong, I'm going to go tell my dad. I mean, no, because dad will fix this. The gift you can give your Heavenly Father today is just that. When the bank account says one thing, Remember my, my, my one brother, he a number of years ago he gave his heart to God and he his wife was not a believer and she had real issues with this whole tithing thing. And so he's he's saved now serving God and she's not, and he's making sure they write out a tithe check every week for her check and his check. And that doesn't go on over too big and it was her role to pay the bills. And one day, about six or seven weeks into this Christian thing, you know, that they were going through, they sat down for supper, and she came in, and she took a stack of bills they can't pay, and she said, there, your God is so big, how come we can't pay our bills? You told me if we pay our tithes, God would take care of our bills. How come we can't pay our bills? And you can just hear the conversation. He finished eating, and... He got up from the dinner table and he grabbed the bills and he went into the bedroom and put the bills on the bed and knelt down beside the bed and began to pray and he simply called out the promises of God. Somewhere in the next few minutes he got an assurance from God and he came back and he gave them to his wife and he said, they're taken care of. She said, what do you mean? And he said, they're taken care of. We'll just wait and see what happens. Within just a few days, they got a check from uh, uh, the program where they had bought their new home and there had been some legal issues and, and the, the, the builder of the home had settled out of court and, and, and gave a refund back to everybody that had bought one of their homes and, and the amount of the refund was thousands and thousands of dollars. And it more than covered all the bills that they had and they never even knew the problem was out there. The check just literally showed up in the mail a few days later that was far more than enough to pay all those bills. And I want to tell you something. Here's the, here's the reality that God wants us to grab hold of. is is not the reality of the check, but the reality of a heavenly father who said, I can't wait to do this for them. It is your father's good pleasure... You see down here when 
when dad does something for us, we, you know, dad gives us that and we hug dad. Come on up here. You know, dad does something for us and we hug dad. Up in heaven, it's different. Dad gives us something and then he hugs us. (laughs) Thanks for letting me do that for you. You did for me what I couldn't do for myself. You see, God is love and love has to give. It has to give. And it's just looking for somebody, somewhere to give it to. I'm just, it's my good pleasure. John, let me help you with this. Let me take care of this. Let me bless you. Let me fix this. We do that by living our life today when we get up in the morning, declaring this is the day that my Heavenly Father has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. The pessimist would say, you don't know what's going to happen. The Christian would say, I know exactly what's going to happen. Everything's going to work together for my good today. But you're homeless. Everything's going to work together for my good today. But the doctor said, everything is going to work together for the good today. We want to see people healed, but we don't ever want to see anybody sick. How does anybody ever get healed until they first... It's your Father's good pleasure. Today, tomorrow, John was right. It's been 364 days since we celebrated Father's Day. Assuming we were on the same date as last year. It ought to be our Heavenly Father's Day every day that we give him a chance to have the good pleasure of giving something to us. We give ourselves to him so that he can give himself to us. We decrease so that he increases. There's sin in your life. Sin in your life blocks the blessing of God. That's a reality. I know it's 2014, and a lot of churches, they don't talk about sinning anymore. Sin will keep the blessings of God from coming into your life. And the greatest motivation you could ever have for repenting and turning away from your sin is the reality that there is a blessing from God waiting for you to make that turn. Scripture says this, your sin has separated you from God. I can love, we can love our children without loving their behavior. Every parent in here knows the pain of having wanted to do something good for your child, but their behavior has kept you from being able to do that. Give me one of these. Y'all look at me like a calf at a new gate this morning. This is good stuff. You need to get up in the morning knowing that it's your father's good pleasure to give to you. He is assigned to hounds from heaven to follow you all the days of your life so that he could get an opportunity 
Because when you get that, then you know that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is that true or not? That's true. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You're in a place right now that's not green and abundant. You're in a place right now that's dry and dead. I want to tell you something. Your Heavenly Father didn't put you there. Your decisions or your sin may have put you there. The devil may have tricked you into laying down there. But your Heavenly Father didn't put you there. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. Not troubled waters. Not stormy waters. Still waters. He restores your soul. He leadeth you in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't fear evil. In fact, you find out there in that valley that death is nothing more than a shadow. For there to be a shadow, there has to be a source of light. And momentarily, that source of the shadow has stepped between you and the source of your light. So what do you do? You just keep walking. You don't camp out in the shadow. When the doctor says to you, you're not going to live, you're going to die, you don't camp in that shadow. You get up the next morning like you got up every morning before that. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you walk out of the shadow and back into the light. And you know that death is nothing more than a shadow. Are you getting this? Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. The rod is something he used against the enemies. The staff is something he used on his own sheep. He carries both. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Today, yesterday, and forever, goodness and mercy are with me. You get up in the morning. They greet you in the morning. Your day is just full of the mercy and goodness of God. If you embrace God's goodness, you'll have his goodness all day. And if you blow it, you've got his mercy. So what have you got to worry about? That other person may not treat you right, but guess what? God will. They may not do right by you, but, but even when somebody does wrong by you, the good that God's going to do you is going to be greater in measure than the bad that somebody does to you. So when you get done at the end of the day, the goodness of God will overcome the badness of the devil. We will watch baseball games and football games because there's a, a battle going on. The good Cleveland Browns against the bad Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay? The battle of good and evil here. Yeah. One of the benefits of pastor. You get to say stuff like that. And it wouldn't be any fun if Cleveland Browns got out into a stadium and 
and the enemy didn't show up, then there's no victory. We'd have more victories, but they wouldn't be any fun. You didn't beat anybody. Let me close with a simple thought. The presence of the enemy in your life is not an indicator of the absence of God in your life. God can't give you a victory until there's something in your life for him to overcome. You can't be more than a conqueror without conquering something. You can't be victorious without there being an enemy. So when fear pops its head, you'll check the doors a second time. I'm speaking to somebody, you may not have locked them. We're funny people. Oh, yes, God can take care of me. He can meet my needs. He's my protector. The devil doesn't stand a chance against God. But just in case. <laughs> Could we get another lock on that window? God's strong, but he needs the help of that little lock. Are you getting this? Yeah, God's going to take care of me. Check the windows one more time, just please. One more time. Check the windows, because if I forgot, God might be busy. He's getting old. He might forget to protect me. He only protects me if I lock the door. Are you getting this? He can't protect me. We're, we're sleeping in the tent. At, in the middle of the night, it, it sounded like a wild boar had entered our campsite. And then it sounded like somebody attacked it with a chainsaw. We later figured out it was somebody sleeping. I'm not looking anywhere. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not naming names. But at first it was frightening. Because this was a, a large wild boar. And he seemed angry. And them hitting him with a chainsaw wasn't doing anything. He just kept coming back and coming back. And like with every breath, he was coming back. And the chainsaw wasn't stopping him. But, but we had the safety of the nylon tent. We was okay. And that's as foolish as we, 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 we are sometimes. We get an ache or a pain or a situation or a bill or a problem and we want to run to everybody and everything to get, to get condolence and, and to get safety and kind words spoken into us. When, when if you would just know that your Heavenly Father, it is His good pleasure to take care of this matter for you so that you can seek the kingdom. If he takes care of the lilies and clothes them like he does, if he takes care of the grass that tomorrow will be in the oven, if the birds can wake up while it's still dark and 
begin to sing praises to God even though they haven't yet eaten. I've never seen birds sitting out there worrying. I think there's going to be any worms today. Will there be any seeds? God will do what he has to do. He will even put in the heart of people to buy little feeders and put seeds in them for people, for the birds. He's right. I'm okay with that. If he so takes care of all of them, let me ask you a question. How much more will he take care of you? It is your father's good pleasure, not just today, but every day the rest of this year and the rest of your life, for you to know he doesn't need the card, the picture, or the tie. Needs an opportunity for you to receive from him. And you do that by not being anxious. Fear not, little flock. Fear not. Peace. Be not afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? also on me. In my father's house, in our father's house, many mansions. If that weren't true, I would have told you. It is true. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. But that powerful scripture starts with, let not your heart be troubled. So they get into a boat, and they start across the sea, and he lays down in the boat, and he falls asleep, and the storm comes. And they do everything they can do to fix the problem. And guess what? They've done nothing to fix the problem. They've bailed and rowed, cursed and swore, sailed up, sailed down, and there's nothing fixed. And finally... They betray the thoughts of their heart when they go back to Jesus and they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? And he sits up and he says, what is your problem? They just had announced their problem. They thought that God didn't. Imagine that. The boat's filling up. Storm is blowing, rolling. He goes up. What's your problem? Peace. We thought, listen to me as I'm trying to close, we thought the storm was the problem. The storm wasn't the problem. It was the absence of peace. So he said, peace, be still. He injected peace into the situation, and it all changed. And that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants you, no matter what has been said, 
no matter what happens, no matter how smart or intelligent the person said what they said is, he wants you to take the time to allow him to speak peace into your situation. And everything changes. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.